He graduated from here in 2019, and now he's serving as youth pastor. So welcome him to the front. Thank you. Am I on? Thank you. Says I'm on. All right. I think I'm on. There we go. All right. Thank you, guys. Um, as Mr. Hector Lee said, I did graduate from Nebraska Christian in 2019, and it's really weird because I was in your guys' seats. Well, I guess I was in those seats over there in the the other the other room, but. Um, it, five years ago, I was in chapels like you guys are today, and a lot has changed in those five years, but I'm really honored and excited to be with you all to present God's Word. So without wasting any more time, let's get into God's Word. I'm going to pray, and we'll read the passage, and then we'll get into it. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this time to dive into your word to glean truth from it and to understand who you are and what you have done for us a little bit better. I pray that as we are spending this time in your word, that we would grow in our relationship with you, that we would grow in our desire for you, and that we would go from this place and be people who are equipped and ready to serve you. Amen. So before I start, I I want to do something that's a little weird, a little little odd, but instead of just reading through the passage, I, I want to read one sentence from today's passage. Today's passage is James 1, 19 through 27. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this one sentence from verse, <clears throat> verse 21. Humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Now, the reason why I, I start here is because that is the attitude that I want you all to have as I go through this message, as I read God's word, and as I preach from it. I want you all to humble yourselves. I don't want you to, as I'm talking and going through this passage, I don't want you to think about your neighbor. I don't want you to think about the your friend. I don't want you to think about that one really annoying sibling that you have. I want you to look at your own heart. I want you to ask yourself, what is my relationship with Christ like? I don't want you to think about anybody else but yourself. Because what I hope to do today is I hope to hold a mirror up to your spiritual life, to your relationship with Christ. And I hope that that mirror gives an accurate reflection of what your relationship with Christ is like. And so that, that makes it all the more important that you're not looking at anybody else, you're not thinking about anybody else, but you are thinking about yourself and how, what your relationship with Christ is like. So let's read this passage and then we'll get into it. Verse 19, James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. 
but be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. If anyone thinks he is religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to look after, after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, I'm going to do another weird thing. I guess today is doing weird things and kind of going out of order. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to start with the middle paragraph there. And then I'm gonna, we're going to talk about the, the first and the third paragraph. If you were to categorize these three paragraphs into very, very general ideas, you would see that the middle paragraph is a metaphor or it's a parable. It's a, a story to help you understand an idea. And then the first and the third paragraph are commands, what we are called to do as Christians. So I think the reason why I'm going to start in this middle paragraph is because it gives us a framework and a, a way to interpret and to understand the other two paragraphs. So that's why we're going to start with the middle paragraph here. So we see two characters, two types of people in the middle paragraph. We have the hearer and we have the doer. The hearer is painted in a very negative light, and the doer is painted in a positive light, saying, be the doer. Don't be the hearer. So what makes the hearer painted in a negative light? It says that they deceive themselves, meaning that they convince themselves of something that is true, or they convince themselves that something is true that is actually false. They say there's something true, but it is actually false. And so you don't want to be the hero. You don't want to be somebody who deceives yourself. So what then the question becomes, what are they deceiving themselves about? And the, this is where the story comes in, or the metaphor comes in. The metaphor is this. Somebody goes and he looks in a mirror. And the word for face here means he sees how his face actually is. He looks in the mirror and he says, oh, I kind of got a unibrow going on. I might need to shave that. Oh, there's, there's a booger there. I need to get that wiped up. But then he puts down the mirror. He walks away from the mirror, and he completely forgets that he has that unibrow going on. He forgets that he has the booger in his nose. And he just walks away, and he's like, I'm fine. I don't, I don't need to shave my unibrow. I don't need to get a tissue. I'm good to go. That's the how the hearer is painted. And that what that means for to take it out of the metaphor and put it into today, put it into your guys' lives, put it into my life, is that I or we hear God's word, we or we listen to a sermon, or we read a book, and we are convicted. Like, oh, I struggle with that sin. Or, ooh, that, I need to work on that. And then we walk away from reading God's word. We walk away from listening to this sermon or reading this book 
we walk away from the conviction of the Holy Spirit and we say, I'm fine. I'm good. I don't need to change. I'm good to go. So then the question becomes, are you the hearer or are you the doer? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, most of the time we're the hearer. I know I, a lot of times I'm a good hearer but not a good doer. So then the question then becomes, okay, how do I become more like the doer? How do I become somebody who sees conviction in, in God's word, see, gets conviction from a, a sermon, and how, then how do I actually go and do what I've just been convicted about? And what we're going to see from this passage is that there's two things. One this person, a doer, will look intently at the perfect law of freedom. And then two, they'll persevere in it. So let's start with looking intently at the perfect law of freedom. Now the word for look intently here, it's in, in the Greek, it's just one word. And it's a completely different word than the word for look. Like right now, I am looking at you all. I, I'm I look, but I, there's nothing more beyond the fact that I see you. The word for look is more something like this. It's more a stooping down and steadying. That's why it's look intently rather than just the word look. This look intently is a I want to know and completely understand what I am looking at. And this word only shows up in the New Testament five times. One time here, one time in Second Peter, and the other three are in the Gospels. And those three times... It is all in reference to the disciples going and making sure that what they heard about Jesus' resurrection is true. When they run to the tomb and they stoop down and they look to see if oh, Jesus is not here. Jesus has actually risen from the dead. And they look intently and they, they study and they're like, Jesus has indeed risen from the dead. And I think that that is telling. Now, obviously, just because it's the same word doesn't mean there's an automatic correlation because words have different meanings, like um, green for a, a NASCAR driver means go, but green for an environmentalist means to stop using and going and driving fast for the NASCAR drivers. So words can have multiple meanings, but I think the word looking intently here's telling and what we should be looking at when we are studying God's word. We should be looking at and studying intently our risen Savior. And that becomes even more clear when we see that it is, when it says 
a perfect law of freedom. This is a, a different word for God's word. But it gets at this idea that there's freedom found in God's word. That there's freedom from something. The question then is, what are we freed from? We are freed from our sins. It is only possible to put to death your sins. It's only possible to become a doer of God's word through Jesus' death and resurrection. And placing your faith in that. You see, we as humans, we all were created good. We were created to be in relationship with God. But we all have sinned. We've all chosen our own way. We all have chosen to follow after our own desires and thus broken our relationship with God. But God, because he desired to be in relationship, sent his one and only son, Jesus, fully God and fully man, to live a perfect life a life that none of us could live, the life I couldn't live, to be sacrificed on a cross in the place of the wrath that we deserve. So that by faith in Christ's work on the cross, we may be seen as righteous before God because Jesus' righteousness becomes our righteousness. And in paying the price for our sins and paying the and completing the wrath that we deserve, taking on the wrath that we deserve, Jesus has bought us out of sin and death. We are no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness, Paul talks about in Romans. So if we are a slave to righteousness because of our faith in Christ, and accepting that gift, we're now called to live in that freedom. Paul talks about in um, in Romans, or no, in Galatians 5.1, Paul says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. You've been set free, so why would you want to live in your slavery that you've been freed from? That's, that's the idea here. Put, death, put to death your sin because you now want to live in freedom. Live in the righteousness that Christ has purchased for you. And I think as we meditate, as we look intently at the gospel, at what Jesus has done for us, we'll find that we will desire more and more to live as Christ has called us to live. We won't want to live in our sin anymore because we'll see the greatness of the grace and mercy that we have been offered through Jesus. 
So that, that's one way that we become a better doer of God's word is we understand the gospel and what it has done for us more and more. Now let's move on to the second one, to persevere in God's word. What does it mean to persevere into God's word? I, I think this word is very helpful. Because if you guys were talking about basketball today, and it takes perseverance to get where you guys have gotten today. It, it takes hard work to be good at basketball, to run back and forth on, on this court and to, to, to shoot well. It takes perseverance. It takes hard work. You can't just walk onto this gym and, and to be shooting threes and draining them every single time. It takes hard work. It takes perseverance. And it's the same way with God's word. It takes perseverance. It takes hard work to put to death our sins. It takes intentionality. I think this is helpful because so often we are people who listen to a message from God's word or we read God's word and we're convicted and then we go and 10 minutes later we're doing the very thing we were just convicted about. But perseverance says, I know that I just failed there, but Jesus' grace and mercy has covered that. Next time, next time I'll be I'll do better. I will trust in Jesus' strength and grow. I will grow in my pursuit of Jesus. So now that we have covered that middle paragraph, we've talked about those things and get gotten a overarching a framework for how to look at this passage, we're going to move on to the two command sections. The reason why I did this again was because understanding the gospel is key to the other two paragraphs. Because again, finding victory over sin can only be done through faith in Christ. You are not going to be able to put to death your sin if you have not placed your faith in Christ. Again, it's only through Jesus you are set free from your sins. So now let's look at some of the things that as Christians we are called to do. We see four things in these two paragraphs. One, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. <clears throat> Two, control your tongue. Three, look after the widow and the orphan. And four, be unstained by the world. Let's start with uh, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This one's, this one's tough. <laughs> It says in that passage that for the human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. How often do we see that us getting mad at somebody for 
not following God's law or us being upset about somebody not wanting to pursue Jesus, how often do we see that that actually is helpful in their relationship with Christ or the pursuit of maybe making the commitment to follow Jesus? Getting mad at somebody and being angry at somebody doesn't, doesn't help. But maybe if we were slow to speak and quick to listen, quick to understand where they're coming from, what has brought them to the place where they're at, and be willing to take the long haul and walk through life with them, maybe then that will be a more convincing argument to come to Christ than getting mad at them and saying, this is all the things that you need to do. Come on, come on, come on. Because once again, it is only possible through faith in Jesus to put to death your sins. So let's be about turning people to Christ and being quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Because, just as this passage says, our anger doesn't accomplish God's righteousness. God has already accomplished his righteousness when he poured out his wrath on Jesus. And then in his second coming, Jesus' second coming, then he will finish his righteousness then. So let's push people. Let's be willing to walk with people as they search for Jesus. And then the second one flows very nicely into this, to be able to control your tongue. Controlling your tongue is just think before you speak. Ask yourself, will this help somebody grow in their relationship with Christ? Will they desire Jesus more by what I say? Or will this be hurtful or harmful to them? And then the third one is looking after the widows and the orphans. Well, this one's pretty simple. You guys get it. It's look after the people that are overlooked in our society. But, man, is it hard. I don't know. I'm going to tell you a story from my life about something similar that recently happened to me. And I, I don't tell this story to be, hey, look at Toby. Look at how great he is at looking after the widows and the orphans. No, this wasn't my idea, and it was definitely the working of God in, in this. So there's a widow in our church, and she's 80 years old, and she was a part of the founding of our church. Our church is 50 years old, and she was one of the people that said, let's start this church. And so she's been with this church for all 50 years of it. And so she's a, an important person in this church. And a week ago when we got all that snow and stuff, one of the elders called me and he said, hey, let's, let's go over and scoop her driveway and make sure she's able to get out if she needs to go anywhere. 
And I was like, okay, yeah, let's do it. So we show up, and the person that she pays to scoop her driveway had already done it. It was already clear. And so I, I went and knocked on her door, and I was like, hey, how's it going? We came to scoop your driveway, but we saw this already scooped. And she was like, yeah, well, thanks. Do you want to come on in? And as soon as she said, come on in, I was like, oh, no. I just got roped into talking to an old lady for 30 minutes to an hour or whatever. Ugh. And so I, I stepped in, and I, I just stood by the doorway, and then she was like, why don't you just come and sit on our table, sit, sit down, and let's, let's talk for a little bit. And I was like, oh, no, this is, this is definitely going to be like an hour-type conversation. And then at some point during the conversation, she says, I don't know the last time that a pastor has come and visited me. And in that moment, God was just like, <laughs> here am I preparing to preach a message about caring for the widows and the orphans, and I'm not even willing to sit and talk to a widow for a couple minutes. And God shook my world at that moment. He said, you can sit down and talk to her for a little bit. You can care for her in that moment. And so I, I sat and talked for a little bit with her. And that meant the world to her. So I, I tell this story again, not to say, oh, look at Toby. Look how great he is, caring for the widows and the orphans. No, I tell this story to say that it's simple. All it takes is going and talking to them for a little bit. At, at the very least, treating them like they're a person, treating them like they're human. Sure, it, it does mean providing for them and financially helping them, but it also means treating them like they're, they're human. And so again, it's simple and it's easy. Man, does it take sacrificing yourself, sacrificing your desires, wanting to put aside your time and whatever else you have to do, say, I'm going to go and interact with this person for a little bit. I'm going to go and hang out and talk with them for a little bit. It's easy. It's simple. Man, is it hard. And then finally, it being unstained by the world. This one is... Pretty simple too. Be serious about pursuit, the pursuit of holiness. Be serious. Be all about the pursuit of righteousness, the pursuit of Christ, rather than being all about the pursuit of sin, the pursuit of unrighteousness, the pursuit of everything opposite of Christ. That is what is meant by being unstained by the world. 
So it gets to the question, what is the desires of your heart? What do you want above all else? What do you pursue above all else? Is it Christ or is it something else? What do you persevere after? To go back to what we talked about earlier. What do you devote your time and attention to? Is it Christ or is it something else? Is it the world? So, to end, I'm going, I want to end the same way that I started. Humbly receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Again, when I'm, as you feel the Holy Spirit convicting you through this message, don't be thinking about, oh, this person needs to change in this, this, and this way. Or I wish my sibling was here for this message, or I wish my friend was here to listen to this. Be looking at your own heart. Be looking at your own relationship with Jesus. You see, the when you encounter the gospel, and you all encounter the gospel a lot. I, I know, I, I was here for three years. I heard the gospel like day in and day out in Bible class and all my other classes. So I know that you all are hearing the gospel a lot. And every time that you hear the gospel, every time that I hear the gospel, it demands a response. If you are a believer, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, it demands how is God calling you to joyful repentance in this moment? And if you are an unbeliever, it demands this response, will you or will you not place your faith in Jesus? Will you or will you not Trust in Jesus' righteousness over your own good works. Again, your good works without Jesus mean nothing. So be asking yourself in this moment, what is the response that God is calling to me right now? Maybe he's convicting you about a certain sin that you've been struggling with for a while. Maybe he's convicting you about somebody, maybe your neighbor. Maybe, maybe she's a widow or she's overlooked by society. Or just someone in general that is overlooked by society. And maybe God's calling you to go over and have a conversation with them. Or maybe, maybe God's calling you now just to be more intentional about your time with him. To be more intentional to get into God's word and to pursue Christ above all else. Whatever it is, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I hope that you would 
learn to be a doer whatever it is that God is convicting you right now, calling you to now and in the future, rather than a hearer. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that in it we learn who you are and what you have done for us. And I pray that as we read your word, as we grow in our relationships with you, that we would become doers of your word. I pray that we would want to grow in our relationship with you and to follow your leading in our lives. And that we would not look at your word, hear it, and be convicted, and walk away and change nothing. So I pray that you would work in all these students' lives and that you would be prompting them and showing them what you are calling them to do today, this week, this month, the school year, whatever it is, God. Lead them and guide them. And in your name, amen.